Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we are joined by Gert Biste. Gert Biste, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Now, I imagine many of our listeners are likely very curious, but uh, please walk us through how you began doing philosophical work on questions of education. I've always been interested in teaching from a very early age, so I, I can't hide that. Um, and I wanted to become a teacher, but I didn't manage to do that, so I did all kind of other things. Um, but at some point I ended up working in a hospital, and there I had the opportunity to teach, so I ended up teaching physics for about 10 years in health education. Uh, and during that period I got interested in education again, and I went to university in the Netherlands, where you can study education as a subject. So it's not teacher education, but education as an, an academic discipline. Um, and there I got interested in people who were doing work on education that had a philosophical orientation. Uh, and I just got excited about that. And then I had to make a decision because everyone said, you won't find a job in that. Sure. But it's very interesting. And then I said, I can better go for something I find interesting because I will be more motivated and I'll see how far I can go there. Um, and then in addition to my degree in education, I did a degree in philosophy because I wanted to know more about philosophy. And then I had the opportunity to do a PhD, which I did on John Dewey's philosophy. Um, and that in a sense got me started. Although the PhD was very much about theory of knowledge and philosophy of science. Okay. And as soon as I'd finished the PhD, I felt I, I wanted to work on my own things. And then I started to work on understanding what education is as a process or a phenomenon. And I think I'm still doing that 20 years later. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it seems as though your interest in education led you to then uh, take up work that was in the sort of tradition of educational theory, which then led to a more direct study of philosophy, contributing to sort of philosophical work on education. But um, let's just backtrack slightly. Um, what led to the initial interest for you, uh, the initial interest in education? Um. It's a good question, and I'm, I'm not sure I have a, an answer sure. to it. I think just a fascination for education, mm -hmm. that it is something special. Sure. Um, and over the years, I've just become more interested in what makes it special, and also more fascinated by what it actually is that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I've become more irritated by so many constructions of education that try to drive that special character out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and philosophy helps me there, although in countries where I can, I would call myself uh, a pedagogue. Mm. In English, you can translate that as an educationist or an educationalist. 
And for me, philosophy is one of the resources to engage with educational questions. So I would see my work as asking educational questions about education, mm -hmm. where it's even the challenge, what is an educational question? And philosophy helps me there, but I don't see my work as asking philosophical questions. Okay, interesting. Now, you had mentioned that you view education as sort of a special phenomenon. Um, would it be right that thinking of education as a phenomenon is an avenue towards better understanding the work that you've been doing? Is that right? Yes, uh, that would be a way. I think that's one of the the lines I, I keep coming back to, mm. and I keep seeing new things, which sure. is exciting. Um, and to say it's a phenomenon, that's a, yeah, a, a clumsy, imperfect way to see, to say there is something there, but, but what is it and how yeah. can we speak about it? And yeah. how can we do that in a meaningful way? Yes, yes. Now, in, in, in which ways have you tried to answer, or rather, have you tried to help us uh, think through the answer to that question or set of problems that you're uh, sort of raising for us here? Uh, what are some of the, the things that you've been working on in your uh, educational study of education? Um, maybe to mention one big theme. I see education, first of all, you could say as a verb as something that people do. So when I hear the word education, I think about someone trying to educate someone else. Um, and then I'm interested in, for example, what kind of relationship is that? Um, but also what is the specific position of the one who educates? And a lot of my work is um, comes out of an observation that much talk about education always brings it back to learning. And I see increasingly uh, that the learning language is the, the, the dominant language and that the educator or the teacher has become a facilitator of learning, for example. Um, and I've become more and more critical of that language because I think um, there is something in the, the act of educating mm. uh, that we cannot capture if we only have a language of learning. Oh, um, that's why in my more recent work I'm talking explicitly about trying to understand what teaching is, mm. what it means to be a teacher, and what it means from the side of a student mm. to be taught. Mm. And for me to be taught is a very different experience from learning. Sure. Not that learning is irrelevant, but learning you can also do by yourself. Sure. But to be taught is to be in a very special relationship where you could say something happens to you or something mm. comes to you. Yeah, and it sounds to my ears as though uh, you might be saying as well that um, there's some intentionality in that process, right? Learning can happen by yourself, it can perhaps even happen accidentally, but to be taught uh, seems to suggest, as you say, uh, this very special, again, special uh, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you also have recently uh, um, uh, seen the release of this, this book, The Beautiful Risk of Education. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, that project as it relates to what you've just uh, discussed? Um, the title is, in a sense, a response to 
what I see happening a lot in education, also coming out of education policy, but also out of education research, that people try to make education into something that is fully controlled. Um, the whole discourse about learning outcomes, for example, where we have to specify in advance what we want our students to, to get out of it and then try to create some kind of process where that will happen. That is important in some situations, but I think it ultimately kills education. Um, so I, I say if we take the risk out of education, then at some point we take education out of education. So this project about the beautiful risk of education is to say the, the risk is there for good reason uh, and we need to figure out what kind of risk and how much risk we, we need mm. so that educational processes can be processes where students do not appear as objects mm. of the teacher but can be subjects, human beings in their own right. But still in a relationship where teachers also occupy a, a, a special place. Mm, yeah. Now, earlier you mentioned educational research. Uh, given the special status of education as you've been articulating it for our listeners, uh, to your mind, are there particular questions that, uh, or concerns perhaps, that we ought to be grappling with in the field of educational research? Um, yeah, maybe two things. Uh, one of the papers I wrote in the context of this project is a paper called Giving Teaching Back to Education. Um, that's sometimes misunderstood as giving education back to teachers. Sure. That is, a, a, I think, often a conservative idea. Let's make sure that teachers are in control again. Sure. Of course, um, of I'm saying we have education and teaching has almost disappeared and I want to give teaching back to education. Um, and partly that requires a lot of theoretical work and philosophical work to figure out what's going on there. But what I find rewarding is that that philosophical work, where you can say it's highly abstract and decontextualized, and you, anything you can say about what philosophy does, sure. I encounter many teachers who say that's the language we need because it's a language that expresses something that we feel, but we have no longer got the language to express those feelings. So for me it shows that philosophical work on education is actually utterly practical because it provides languages to articulate experiences. And if you don't have a language to talk about what happens, then you have no access to what happens and then the very thing begins to disappear. So for me, doing that work, although you can call it philosophical or theoretical, it's very practical and a lot of what I find myself doing is um, sharing these ideas with teachers sure. yeah. and, and they get excited about it and I think that's actually quite good for philosophy of education to, to be in that place. Gert Biester, thank you so very much. You're welcome. For more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm. A very special thanks to Moby 
for use of his song Summer as our theme. 